And with that being said, we're going to continue our series, week two of Ears to Hear. And uh, this whole series, we're going back to the basics, and we're talking about how to hear God and how to position our lives and hearts in such a way where we can consistently and clearly hear the voice of God. And some of you may, from time to time, think, why can't we talk about the more meaty stuff? Why can't we go deeper? Um, Well, it's very clear that in life, when we're running at 90 miles an hour like we do as young adults, we're going to school, we're working, we're maneuvering relationships and all that life has to offer, sometimes the basics can get away from us. Uh, Sometimes we can be so head in the sand that we need to come up for air and revisit the foundations. Uh, And so this is partly what we're doing in this series, Ears to Hear, Um, And this morning, I want to title this morning's message, The Speaking God. We're going to keep it really simple. And um, we're going to lay a foundation this morning that we're going to build off of in the weeks to come. We're going to really hone in over the course of this series how specifically God speaks to us, what we can do uh, to lean into that. But this morning, laying the foundation, The Speaking God. And let's quiet ourselves as we always do at this point, and let's offer our hearts and our lives and our energies and come back to the Father, where there may be drift and where they may uh, even be prodigality in some of our souls and situation this weekend. Just the invitation's here. Come back. Return. The great brother Lawrence says, even the smallest remembrance of God, he does not turn away but it's sweet and acceptable in his sight. And so we do that, Lord of life, this morning. We come back where it's so easy for us to drift and so easy for us to be focused on the specifics of our lives and circumstances and all these things that are on the burner for us. We can get stressed and anxious and ah, worked up. And yet this morning, we reorient ourselves into the invitation to rest and to be your beloved sons and daughters. The belovedness that uh, is not ever-changing, the belovedness that's not contingent upon our production, belovedness that's not contingent upon what our life looks like in this season of our lives, but belovedness that is anchored and steadfast and magnetized and glued to Calvary. That is where our belovedness lies. The precious blood of Christ spilled for us. And this morning, as uh, it's Palm Sunday, we remember the cries of the people of Jerusalem on that day, Hosanna, Hosanna, son of David. And we pray that same prayer, Hosanna, God save us. Jesus, would you come again? Jesus, would you uh, save and, and finally save your people and, and all of creation? Would you bring your salvific and redemptive work to completion? Would you come quickly? And would you come again swiftly in glory to judge the living and the dead? And we look ahead, Lord, to the new creation life that you will inaugurate in your second coming. And so we say, come, Hosanna, save, redeem, restore this broken world. And we pray this morning as we study your scriptures, would you teach us and instruct us according to what you desire and would you do what you want to do in this space. Holy Spirit, brood over us this morning and speak to us and cause our hearts to be soft and pliable and malleable before you. Let the seed of the kingdom go forth 
And I pray that we would commit ourselves to obey all that you would speak to us. And we pray all these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And the young adults said, amen and amen. Hey, let's jump into a discussion question to get to the crusties out of our eyes and to wake up a little bit. That was a vivid image. I'm sorry. Here's the discussion question that we're going to start with. Do you struggle at all with believing that God still speaks today? Why or why not? And be real. Don't give a Sunday school answer. Don't give a pat answer here, but really be real. Open up. Uh, Do you struggle at all with believing that God still speaks today? Talk about it at your tables and we'll pick this thing up in just a few minutes. Go. All right. Let's jump into this thing. So I think uh, if there's one thing uh, that we can so clearly draw from the scriptures, from Genesis all the way through to Revelations, considering even the way that God dealt with people in both covenants, the old and the new covenant, there's one thing we can clearly see is that God is a speaking God. Uh, I think sometimes we can, uh, you know, have the assumption that God is just not, he's not real talkative. Like, I really got to try hard and I got to uh, try and hold conversation with him in a way that I'm trying to hold conversation with like an awkward, not so talkative person. Have you ever been in those conversations where, hey, how you doing? Good. Okay, see you later. <laughs> Great. I dated, uh, went on a couple dates actually with, with a girl years and years and years ago where it was like that. Like you sit down, so where are you from? You know, the Midwest. Where in the Midwest? Uh, you know, Ohio. Ah, okay. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, well, I mean, I like this cup of coffee I'm drinking right now. It's just so good right now. It's great. Okay, I'll, I'll see you later. Whatever. I don't know what we're doing here. Um, awkward, right? Where you just, you feel like you got to lead the conversation and you feel like you got to keep this thing alive. And because they're not so talkative, you have to like really incentivize them to talk and let's come on. What's happening here? Well, God is not that kind of God. God, in fact, is the God who rends the heavens and comes down. God is the God who talks and talks and talks and talks and beckons his people into continual conversation with him. We see this all the way back in the garden when he creates man and woman, Adam and Eve, uh, and, and he talks to them. He walks in the garden with them. In the cool of the day, he has conversation with them. Then later, even after the fall, we see Abraham. He calls uh, forth Abraham and, and has conversations with him and talks to him. Same with Moses. Same with Israel at large through the prophets and the prophetic uh, witness. And then Jesus, God in flesh, comes on the scene and, and talks and talks. And he's communing with people and connecting with people and healing people. And then Jesus sends the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit now is said to what? Dwell in us, and guide us into all truth, and speak to us, and actually continue the ministry, the teaching ministry of Jesus in our day in and day out lives. Yahweh is a speaking God. And you know, the funny thing about the Christian tradition is that we live in a great paradox here, where we prescribe to the theology and the belief that Yahweh, our God, is a God who is powerful and a God who is omnipotent and a God who is omniscient and a God who is eternally wise and surrounded in glory where the psalmist actually says darkness surrounds him and the mountains melt like wax before him. Like Yahweh is a big deal. 
And yet at the same time, Yahweh stoops low and uh, communes with his people, and he has relationship with his people, where he's not so grand a God, where he's unknowable, but in fact, he is inherently knowable. By his very nature, he is a knowable God. Uh, we see this in Psalm 95, when the psalmist is having this, uh, you know, this existential uh, processing of who Yahweh is. Who is God? How can I put words to him? Uh, he says it in this way, in this call even to worship. He says, oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. And here's the processing for the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods in his hands are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. And then he gets really specific here. Like he gets away from the big proclamations and here's who God is. And even we as his people, here's who we are. But then there's this invitation. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah. The verse continues and the rest of the chapter talks about the rebellion of Israel in the wilderness. How there was a hardening of hearts and disobeying Yahweh, that Yahweh uh, inexhaustibly showered love and grace and gift and provision on his people, and yet Israel hardened their hearts and rebelled with him in the wilderness. But what we see here is that God is not so great and sovereign and mighty of a God that that uh, those uh, attributes and qualities are pitted against his relational uh, nature. That he can have relationship with us, even being a great and sovereign and good creator that he is. And he's not too preoccupied with the sustenance of the universe and keeping the planet spinning and everything. He's not out of the office here. But Yahweh is present and among us and can be known. And then there's this invitation from the psalmist. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. And the interesting thing about this passage is that this is one of three times that this specific sentence is used in the New Testament. The first time it's used in Deuteronomy 1, and it's this, this commandment from Moses to the people of God as they're about to enter the promised land. And in the context of the wilderness rebellion, Moses is saying, if you hear his voice today, Israel, don't harden your heart. Then the psalmist says it in Psalm 95. And then the writer of Hebrews later, and Hebrews chapter 4 writes of this too, today if you hear his voice. Do not harden your heart. What we can draw from this in these three uh, even seasons of God's salvific work and his redemptive agenda for the world, these three different passages that are written, we can see that it testifies to the continual voice of Yahweh to his people. That yes, God speaks through the prophets, and yes, God speaks in these huge ways that are specific to his uh, salvation and his work upon the earth. But also, I mean, that's a very specific command. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. It's this ongoing, continual voice of Yahweh speaking to his people. Indeed, we can say that the scriptures resound with the attestation that Yahweh has spoken 
uh, will, uh, does speak and will continue to speak to his people. And this is the conviction of the Christian tradition, that Yahweh continues to speak. He has spoken through the prophets. We see that in the Nicene Creed. He continues to speak, and he will be the God who speaks from this time forth and forevermore. Like, he's just this kind of God who, in his relational nature, draws us in to relationship with him by speaking, by exchanging words, by engaging in divine communion and conversation. This is a centerpiece of Christian theology here that God speaks and that uh, we can hear and that we being the people of his hand and the sheep of his pasture can live in such a way where we hear his voice on a regular basis. Now the specifics of that we'll get into over the course of this series. The specifics of that can be a little slippery sometimes and we can disagree But the fact of the matter is that the scriptures resound and proclaim this grand reality that Yahweh is a speaking God. And so let's discuss this for a few minutes and let's uh, really contextualize this and talk about this at our tables with this question. Why do you think it's crucial to our Christian faith to believe that God can and does still speak to us today? Why is it important in the first place? Talk about it and we'll pick it up here in a little bit. Go. All right, everybody, let's come back in. So if this is the great reality um, that we see in the Old and the New Testament and and through the tradition that we've inherited um, as Christians, then, you know, the great question then for us on a practical level is how do we hear God speak? In what ways does God speak, right? Everything we're talking about in this series uh, for the next several weeks, how do we position our lives to hear him speak? Um, How can we hear from him? Well, I think we're all probably itching to answer those questions, aren't we? Because there's a lot of stuff we need to know. Like, should I date this girl? Should I date this guy? Like, if he proposes, oh my gosh, should I say yes? Um, Should I go for a master's degree? Should I, uh, you know, pursue this job that I got an offer for? Do I move out of state? Like all of these things we would love to hear God, right? Uh, Okay, I think one of you says yes. Awesome. We all are itching. There are these hot spots in our lives where we're longing for clarity and God, you need to speak here. But I think it's important to dial it back for a second. And uh, to make sure that our foundation is properly set in place. Because I would argue that there's two primary things that we need, that need to be uh, pre-existent and set in place if we're going to hear God uh, clearly and consistently. Um, And one of the things is the right beliefs. Okay, it's everything we're talking about so far. It's simply we have to have the conviction that God does speak to us. That we being sons and daughters of God can and should hear his voice. That if Jesus characterizes God as our heavenly father, well then, yeah, we need to believe that God is going to speak to us and that we ought to hear from him. We need to believe that we were created in the Imago Dei, which is just another way of saying we were given the capacity to know and to love and to have relationship with the one who made us. And that's what separates us in one way from the birds of the air, the beasts of the field, is our capacity to have communal, deep, uh, intimate relationship, knowing and having the audacity to believe that Yahweh can speak, but also to take that a step further, 
to have the audacity to believe that Yahweh can and should and does speak to me personally. That yes, when we sit here on a Sunday morning in Sunday school and go to second service and go to first Wednesday and like go read the scriptures, whatever, in a communal sense, yes, we should and ought to believe that God can speak to us generally and corporately, but we need to believe that he can speak to us specifically as well. That any given day, God can speak to us by the Holy Spirit and convict us about something or nudge us in a certain direction or, um, or speak to us about a specific decision that we do have to make. But this, this conviction that God can, does, and should speak to me personally, this belief. Um, the great and late Dallas Willard, many of you know Dallas Willard, um, summarizes really the centrality of this conviction uh, in his book, uh, Hearing God. And he says this, that nothing is more central to the practical life of the Christian than confidence in God's individual dealings with each person. In other words, like on a concrete and practical level, great, we can stay up in the clouds about theology, great, we can wax eloquent about our eschatology and premillennialism and all of that sort of thing, great, yes, yes, and yes, okay, that stuff is important, but... The penetrating practical thing that we as Christians hold to is this notion that God does deal with us on an individual level. Corporate, yes, but individually. And until we can really grapple with and put our feet on this solid ground, we're going most likely to wrestle with this idea of God speaking to us and are going to struggle hearing his voice because we don't believe necessarily uh, firmly that he can speak to us in the first place or he should speak to us or he does speak to us. So this right belief is crucial if we're going to posture ourselves to hear him clearly and consistently. But there's another one that I think may hit home for us a little bit more. And this is the second one, the right motives. Okay, let's get, uh, let's get dicey here for a second. Often when we approach the Lord, myself included, especially in this young adult season of life, and we're wanting to hear his voice, oh man, I just, I need to hear God on something. Okay, what are we more often than not talking about? Decisions that have to be made. Uh, big things in life that need clarity. Everything I just mentioned, the relationship, right? Uh, dating this girl, dating this guy, oh, marriage, oh my gosh, all that. Kids, if you're already married, when do we have kids? Oh my gosh, is it two to three years? Do we take a page from the Caldwell book and get pregnant six months into marriage? Oh my gosh. Like, what, is, what do we do here? Wow. Right? Relationships. Um, another one is, is education. Ed, another one's work and occupation and vocation. Do I jump into ministry? Do I enter the business sector? Do I uh, go overseas and become a missionary? All these big things. But these are the big things in life that we often uh, feel pressure to hear from God about. And more often than not, when we say, oh, I'm, I'm trying to hear God about this particular thing, it's about something big. And I think there's a danger when it comes to that, because if we relegate the voice of God only to that which is decision-based and the big things in our lives, then we're going to miss out on the beautiful and the intimate things that our Abba Father would speak to us on a daily basis that has nothing to do with the big things in our lives. This thing like, hey, uh, drop this sin that you're holding on to. Uh, hey, yeah, you're, you're in an unhealthy relationship here. Maybe set some boundaries. Or, hey, I love you. 
I know the times that I hear that from the Lord, it just, it, it hits me in a more profound way than if he were to rend the heavens and give me a big answer about something. These intimate, small things that the Lord's doing in our lives, the way that he's speaking both in the soul, but also in the situation. And if we only, again, look for the big things, then we're going to inevitably miss out on this beautiful relationship that's on the table for us here and now. These small remembrances of God throughout the day, these small conversations when we're in the car, uh, these small requests, God, this coworker and me, and there's a little bit of frustration there. Can you just heal that? Uh, God, this uh, conversation I had last week, I'm really carrying this, and I'm, I'm, I'm anxious about this for some reason. Can you bear that for me? Uh, you said if I, uh, you know, bring my requests to you, then you give me peace. Would you do that? Would you get these little things that are on the table for us, these little conversations? Um, because if we step back and we consider what fatherhood is in the first place, fatherhood, true fatherhood, good fatherhood, is not helicoptering in and only offering big words of advice and counsel when a big decision needs to be made. Oh, yeah, son, you need to pick this college. Okay, I'll see you later until the next big thing. Like, that's not fatherhood. What is fatherhood? Fatherhood is journeying. Fatherhood is walking with them in the highs and the lows. Fatherhood is the daily nurturing and the daily encouragement and the, hey, I'm proud of you for that. I'm in this with my uh, almost four-year-old boy, Rush, right now. He's burgeoning into this little human. He's not a baby. He's actually a boy. We went to Denver yesterday. He's talking in the car the entire time. Like, I'm having conversations with my son. It's the weirdest thing. But what I'm finding now is that with him, there is daily nurturing, and there's daily love, and there's daily just the little things that over the course of years, I'm sure, and years, it's going to morph into this beautiful, robust, dynamic relationship that we share. That's fatherhood, is walking with them, being a fellow pilgrim with them, journeying with them in life. And yes, when the big things about life come up, when Rush is, is you know, considering dating this girl or considering going off to this college or considering taking this job, yeah, well, obviously, it's a given that I'm going to weigh in and speak about those things and give him wisdom and nudge him in the direction that, that I perceive him, uh, that he should choose. But, but outside of those things, those are very rare circumstances when you look at the day in and day out rhythm of his life. And so fatherhood and Abba father comes alongside us and nurtures us in the same way. He journeys with us. It's the, the Emmaus Road narrative in Luke 24 where Jesus is walking on the road with them and they can't see him and they don't recognize him and yet there's this moment where their eyes open. He, he's been with us. He's journeyed with us this entire time. This is fatherhood and this, what's, this is what's on the table for us today and in our lives as uh, the people of God, this daily communion with him. And I'm not saying don't ask the big questions, right? Those are obviously important, but if we're only focusing on that, then I think we're missing out on a beautiful component of our relationship with the Lord and really turning God, in some ways, if we're not careful, into the divine Coke machine. Like, God, okay, I, I need this, this, and this. Come on. Come on, produce for me, Lord. Talk to me, God, on my terms and on my timeline. When maybe God's after something else, maybe relationship with God entails more than just getting answers when we need it or when we feel that we need it. So one question I think uh, if that, that helps clarify if our motives are in the right place uh, that's really important to ask ourselves from time to time, I think is this, really simple. 
But am I committed to saying yes to anything that God might ask of me today? Okay, if you can't answer yes to that question, then I think uh, your motives may be a little off in approaching the Lord. You may be wanting relationship with God on your terms. But if we can honestly say, you know what? If God were to speak to me today about any given thing, um, it may be a hard yes. It may be a broken, uh, gut-wrenching yes. But if I know that my allegiance is to God and God alone and my relationship with him lends itself to me saying yes, well then yes, that's that. those are pure motives. But again, sometimes in life with the Lord and sometimes in fatherhood, we're not always going to hear the nice things. Nice in the sense of feel good, comfortable, cozy, warm, fuzzies, butterflies. Oh, thank you, Lord. It's not always going to be this. There's going to be conviction. And there's going to be provocation, and there's going to be prodding. Hey, yeah, you need to drop that. Uh, that is going to short circuit on you and blow up in your face and be painful. Hey, you need to exit this unhealthy relationship. Are we willing to say yes to that? Hey, you need to drop this addictive behavior because it's going to eat you from the inside out. Are we willing to say yes to that? Hey, are you willing to forgive that person who's going 55 in the left lane of I-25 for 60 miles? That may have been more real than the first two. (laughs) Yes, God, yes. If the answer is not yes, then our motives may be a little skewed. And if so, now's the time. Let's come to the Lord and let's reorient ourselves into radical yesness and radical relationship with him. But this invitation to say yes to all that God's doing in our lives and trusting, because it's trust, you guys. This is what it really hinges on. If we trust that the Lord has our best interest in mind, and if we trust that God is after nothing but good in our lives, and if we trust him as a father who is not withholding from us for the sake of withholding, but maybe withholding for the sake of our own good, then we can say yes, and we can know him, and we can trust him, and we can be open to all that God has for us. But if our beliefs and our motives are properly aligned, then these are the things that like unstop our ears. That this is a vivid image, but like, like, like caked on, I'm I'm already there, so I'm just going to go, earwax, like this caked on thick thing that's like stopping up our ear. It's like they, it comes out and all of a sudden we hear, wow, yeah, okay, I hear the Lord speaking to me and I hear him leading me and I sense what he's doing in my life. Like these are the things that unstop our ears and align ourselves with the Lord and allow us to hear his voice on a daily basis and especially with these motives. Uh, this radical yes mentality and saying yes to whatever God would speak to us, this keeps our hearts soft and pliable before him. And it's the, the radical no's in the prodigal fashion of exiting the Father's house so that we can build our own kingdom and live our own life. It's those no's that inevitably harden our hearts. Uh, the scriptures are very clear that sin has a hardening effect. We looked at that last series in our Ancient Chaos series, that sin hardens the heart and no to the ways of God hardens our heart. But when we come every single day and we awake in the morning, for he sustains us, and we look to God and we say, Lord, let me get caught up in the flow of the kingdom today, whatever that looks like. The answer is yes. Then our hearts stay soft and they stay pliable and they stay pure before God because we're walking in his ways. And then when we have this yes mentality, 
then I think we become floored at how often God is willing to speak to us and how often he always speaks to us and yet now we have the ears to hear to where when there's a yes and when there's obedience, he says, okay, now you can listen. Let's talk this thing or this thing or this encouragement. And we walk in this intimate communion with the Lord in the way that we were designed to walk in. And so the great invitation, I think, that we see throughout Scripture, we, we read it in Psalms 95, it's in Deuteronomy 1, Hebrews 4, but it's, it's simple. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Today, if you hear his voice, keep your heart soft. Today, if you hear his voice speak to you specifically, keep your heart soft and say yes. Today, let the answer be yes. Let there be obedience. Let there be intimate relationship. Let every part of our lives fall under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And let this be a yes that comes from our lips. I think um, as we listen and as we orient our lives to hear him and as we walk in his ways and we hear him throughout the day and this yes happens, the Lord just speaks and speaks and speaks and we hear him clearly and this is the way that our ears get tuned to hear his voice and where our soul is awakened to him and where we have eyes to see him on the journey of faith with us. It's this yes this humble and radical yes to all that God's doing and what he would speak to us. Um, and that's an answer to God, but sometimes he won't always warrant responses. Sometimes he'll just encourage us. Sometimes, yes, he'll nudge us in a direction, but other times it'll just be this like father uh, word of life that's spoken over us. And we'll, we'll get to all the specifics, but not all the specifics, but we'll get to much of the specifics about this throughout this series. But the big question is, are we willing to say yes? Today, if we hear his voice, will we harden our hearts or will we keep it soft? And this is the way we fine-tune our ears to hear the voice of God. And so let's wrap up our time together with this final discussion question. What are some unhealthy motives that you personally have to guard against in approaching the Lord in this season of your life? And get real here and open up, but uh, what are some unhealthy motives that you've experienced personally, maybe in coming to the Lord in this particular season of your life. Uh, we'll take about five to eight minutes, and then we'll wrap this thing up and dismiss all together in just a little bit. All right, enjoy the final discussion. All right, people of God, let's stand and uh, dismiss in prayer. We'll wrap this thing up together. <clears throat> Sorry to hijack discussion and cut those short. Feel free to keep chatting after we're done here. But uh, Father, we pray that as we go into all that this week has to offer, as we enter our college campuses, as we go back into our workplaces, as we engage in familial and uh, intimate relationships, Lord, with our friends and family and every person that's in our sphere of influence, we pray uh, that we would have eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to understand what you're speaking to us. God, how you're nudging us, how you're provoking us into more kingdom life. God, what you would say to us. And I pray that with every single person in this room, myself included, let us all be people who offer you a radical yes. God, let our obedience, let our love, let our emotions and our thoughts and everything, our very bodies, let them be worship unto you. God, let us be the people of God who adore you and, and speak to you and commune with you. And we pray that you would send us out 
as the sweet-smelling fragrance of Christ. And may your kingdom come and your will be done on this earth this holy week as it is in heaven. Draw people on Good Friday. Draw people uh, on Easter Sunday into this rich life that we've been grafted into and we've been given as the people of God. Let Jesus be put on full display and the Son of Man lifted up that all may be drawn to him. And we pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, amen, amen.